It's a great privilege for us to be here together today. Matthew, thank you for your prayer. I appreciate that very much. Matthew said something in his prayer that I think is so fitting and something that we need to think about often. He said, we're just visitors here. We're pilgrims, and we need to be reminded of that every day. And I hope we do that through our study this morning. My dad passed away a little over 11 years ago. It's very seldom a day goes by that I don't think about him. And I miss him. I miss him a lot, and I miss him for many reasons. But one reason in particular is I miss being able to sit down with him and seek his fatherly advice. You know, there's just something about a dad, something about living life and experiencing things, making choices, learning from those choices, bad or good, that gives them a perspective that we seek. That's something I miss a lot. You know, I want to do that this morning as we look into God's Word. I want us to seek some fatherly advice from Solomon. We're going to be studying from Proverbs, the fourth chapter this morning, and reading several verses there. If you'd like to turn, keep your finger there, because we're going to be referring to that a lot. Solomon, as a father wants to convey wisdom to you and I, and I want us to talk about that this morning. Let's read first in in Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give good doctrine, do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, And the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. I hope that we can hear the passion in Solomon's voice as he conveys this idea to his children and as he conveys that to us when we read it. Hear the passion in his voice. He said, I want you to hear what I have to say. He said, I learned this from my father, and I want to pass it on to you. In particular this morning, I want us to consider verse 23 in this chapter. The subject that we're going to talk about this morning is guarding our heart. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Another translation says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I hope that you and I can understand that this morning, and that's what I hope to get across to you is what we put into our heart, what we allow in our heart, actually determines the course of our life. It's going to lead us in a direction by the things that we do, the things that we allow in there. As we talk about this word heart, it's obvious we're not talking about the organ in our chest that pumps blood, but we're talking about our inner being. And let's go to Scripture to to look at that. David said in Psalms 9 verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell you of all your marvelous works. Everything that we do, everything comes from our heart, and we've got to understand that. 
I skipped a scripture on the slide, so I'll read that to you. Psalms 19 and verse 14, it said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. <clears throat> he also, David said in Psalms 26 verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my mind and my heart. So this word heart, when we look at it in the Hebrew, it literally means the will and the intellect. It means the center of everything of who we are and what we are. And with that in, in consideration, we've got to understand that it is our job and it's imperative that we watch over our heart because the verse says, from it flow the springs of life. Again, it can be said that we are to guard our heart above all else because it determines the very course of our life. Everything about who we are flows from the heart. The heart is the real you. The real you is not the body that you live in. It's not your hair, your eyes, your skin. It's not anything physical. It's what we are on the inside. It's what we think, what we do. And so I want us to think about that this morning. It is, when we look at that word in Hebrew, it is the seat of our mind, our will, our emotions. It is the sum total of our moral and spiritual life, especially in relationship to God. Wayne Gruden put it this way, he said, our inward spirit and moral being will determine the course of our life. That being said, we should guard or protect from danger and watch over our heart. It's something that we must pay close attention to. So here's what I want us to think about today, is that we are to live carefully, a wise way to live is carefully guarding what I allow to influence my life. And the flip side of that is a foolish way to live is to be very careless with what I allow into my life. Let's go back to our reading in, in Proverbs 4, and we're going to read now beginning with verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. For this is the love of God that we... Excuse me, that's a different verse. So, as we examine these verses in, in Proverbs 4... I want us to look at three things that Solomon tells us about this, about this passage and principles that we can learn there. You know, when we look at these scriptures at first glance, they look rather simple to us. But I want us to dissect these verses, and we're going to see, really, that these verses are packed full of great information that help you and I when we consider this idea of guarding our heart. Wisdom demands I guard my heart, and it's not optional. As Solomon starts here in verse 23, he says, keep your heart. That word keep means to watch over. It's a command. He's commanding us to protect what we allow to influence us on the inside. You know, when we consider God's commands, they're not optional. They are there to protect us. Sometimes our human nature wants to rebel against commands. We want to rebel against authority. But we've got to understand that God 
and his commandments are there because he loves us. They're there to protect us, never to rob us of joy or pleasure. 1 John 5 verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. God knows best. As our creator, he knows best how our life is to be lived. So Solomon tells us to watch over what God has entrusted us with. In that same verse 23, he said, Keep your heart with all diligence. With all diligence means above all else. And again, I hope we hear the passion in the voice of Solomon as he speaks to us, the passion of a father when he says, he's pleading, he's speaking from the heart. He says, with all diligence, keep your heart. Remember again the context here. Solomon opens this chapter by speaking to his children. Wisdom demands that we guard our heart. Wisdom demands that we protect the life God has given us. You know, God has given us the very best, and that's what He wants for you and I, and He's made that possible through His Son. He has given us a design. He's given us instruction as how to live that life that brings about a blessing. But on the same, at the same time, He had made us people of free will. That tells us that we can make choices. We can make decisions that will cause us to step aside from the will of God to deviate from his plan. So it's something that we have to be very careful about. I think of the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. You know, whatever we put into our lives, that's gonna come out. And we use the example of a computer. You know, computers are great tools, but they're only as good as the programming that goes into them. If there's bad programming, it's not going to function as it's designed to, to do. We can also have computers that files get corrupted, and when that happens, they're useless. Our life is the same way. Whatever we allow into it is going to come out in our speech, our actions, and the choices that we make every day. You know, as, as we consider living a Christian life, it's imperative that we guard and protect what God has given us. And we can do that by incorporating godly principles. But on the other hand, we can allow the garbage in and the effects can be devastating. The influences I allow in my life affect everything about the life that I live. It, and it doesn't just affect me. It's not just a personal thing. It affects all the relationships that I have. It affects everyone around me. So let's be very careful about that. Where did Solomon get this wisdom? He said he learned it from his father. Let's listen to what David said in Psalms 19, verse 14. He said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. David had a desire to walk close to God, so much so that he prayed that the meditation of his heart what he focused on would be acceptable to God. David realized, and he taught his sons, that what you allow on the inside is going to come out in your life, in your choices, 
and in your decisions. Also in Psalms 119, verse 11, David said, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is a, a passage that I've always appreciated. And one, I, I, I think about the word picture here of hiding God's word in my heart. That word hiding in Hebrew means actually to treasure. We have to treasure God's word if we're going to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. It has to be something that we desire and something that we incorporate on a daily basis. David knew that there was a direct link to what we treasure on the inside and the life that we live on the outside. You know, if you and I truly treasure God and treasure His Word, then what's going to come out in our life is something that's pleasing to God, something that honors Him. And if our treasure is elsewhere, that's going to show as well. You know, the Bible tells us, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, people don't have to know, be around me very long to know what's in my heart, because it obviously is going to come out in what I speak about and what I do. There's no way that we can hide that. The Bible tells us that. It's very plain. What's in my heart is going to come out and it's going to be very evident to other people. Wisdom demands that I guard my heart to protect the life that God has given me. Another thing that Solomon teaches us is that wisdom practices this principle in the affairs of everyday life. Solomon gives us practical examples, and he tells us how to watch out, to look out for the enemy. Our enemy is real, and his plan is to destroy what God has in mind for each of us. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We read this verse very often. It's one that's quoted from this pulpit many, many times, but do we fully grasp the reality here? Do we fully understand just how powerful our enemy is, how relentless he is, and the tools that he has to accomplish his purpose? God has a design for you and I. God wants his very best for us. He wants a life of joy for us. And he wants what is good. Romans 8, beginning in verse 28, says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he, did predest he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This verse tells us that God has a design for your life. And his plan is that we will be conformed to the image of his Son, that we will be like Jesus Christ. When we do that, when we seek to be like Christ, we will fully enjoy the life that God has given us and experience the joy that he has for us. But again, on the other hand, the Bible says in John 10 that our enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan wants to steal God's best from you. He wants to destroy 
your life. And he does that by slipping influences in our life that begin to cloud our heart and cloud our judgment. So we constantly must be on guard. As we continue our study here this morning, we're going to read more in, in Proverbs 4. And as we do that, we're going to identify three ways, three practical ways that Solomon gives us to guard our heart. That is to guard our ears, to guard our eyes, and to guard our feet. So let's begin with our ears. Again, back in Proverbs 4, in verse 24, he says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. You know, when I first read these verses, I, I thought the application was to me specifically in what I speak. And I think that's true. But I also think if we listen to it, Solomon is saying, be careful what you listen to. He said, put away a deceitful mouth. That word deceitful in Hebrew means crooked. There is so much out there. There is so much crooked speech. There's so many things that are wanting to lead us away from God's will and away from God's design. We've got to be very careful about that. You know, I think about a young child. You know, when these small children, they, they know wor no words at all. They don't know how to speak, but they learn to do that by hearing those around them, the words that they are told, the words that they hear over and over, and that's how their speech develops. Same is true for us in the life that we live. We are subject to the voices that we hear. We're subject to the things that we're exposed to on a daily basis. Solomon is saying, be careful what you listen to. If what we listen to doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word, then it's dangerous to our heart and it's dangerous to our walk with God. Again in this verse, he says, put perverse lips far from you. Perverse means devious, foul. I think of foul language, gossip, lies. All of those things that we can be caught up in as human beings. And we are to be careful what we listen to. Also think about the context here. You know, when Solomon said this, at that time, it, if you heard something, it had to be directly from another person or the written word. But think about the technology that we have at our fingertips today. I think about how people go around with earbuds in their ears all the time. You know, I go into places sometimes or go on a job and talk to someone that they've got their back to me and they've got earbuds in their ears. And, and it's, we live in a time where there's just constant information and, and not that that's always a bad thing, but again, it's something that we've got to be careful about. There are always things to listen to and we've got to gauge whether those things are good and we've got to filter those things. And it's not just what we literally listen to, it's all the messages that are out there. All of the voices that are speaking, and it, sound, it seems like at times they are just shouting. Rhonda and I went to Arkansas this last weekend. We went to a wedding in Fayetteville. A friend of hers, her daughter was getting married, so we went to the wedding. We got there late Friday night. Well, Saturday morning, we had some time to kill, so, and we had heard there was a farmer's market downtown on the square, and so we went down there. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because it's a college town, but I'm going to be honest with you, I was taken aback by what I saw there. There were yard signs in people's yards. There were signs on doors of businesses that we went into 
that were spewing out this message of gender identity and gay marriage and, and gay rights and all of these things that we're, we sometimes step back from. But I hope we all see the gravity of what we're dealing with here. You know, we as adults, we, we remember when the gay marriage deal was, was legalized, and it's something that came that was very shocking to us. We ask ourselves, how did we get here? This idea of gender identity, why is that even a question? You know, that's the way I look at it. Why is it even a question that the way God created you that you as an individual, as someone as an individual, thinks they have a choice about. But you know, I also want us to look at the perspective of all these young people. That came to as a shock to us as adults, but it's something they're going to deal with on a daily basis. It's common things. It's a common thing to them. It's not when they get to college that they're going to deal with this. They're dealing with it right now. They are going to have friends in school that their families deal with these issues. It's your job as parents of these young children to have those difficult conversations. You simply don't have a choice. There's absolutely nothing that can be left unsaid. In a loving way, you've got to call out sin. You've got to speak truth into the lives of these children. When we think about what we hear, I think a good filter for us is Philippians 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Solomon says we've got to be careful what we listen to. We've got to filter what we hear and what we're exposed to through the lens of God's Scripture. We've got to ask ourselves, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? We've got to discuss with our children God's plan for marriage. I can guarantee you, parents, if you're not talking to them, Someone else is. The second, the second practical application that I want us to look at is that we are to guard our eyes. Proverbs 4 verse 25 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. As I said, there's so many voices out there but there's also so many things that we can take in through our eyes that can be damaging to us as Christians. We've got to be careful what we see. 
I think one of the most powerful influences on this generation is the internet. You know, the internet is something that's a great tool. It's something that we have information that is just really unlimited at our fingertips. You and I have access to information and images in a matter of minutes that people before us didn't know in a lifetime. There is so much information out there and there's so many things for us to see. You know, 9-11 taught us a, a great lesson that a wonderful tool in the hands of an enemy can be a great weapon. You know, they took an airplane, something that we're all used to and something that we, we're, that's common. We fly on airplanes to, to go places, and it's, it's, things, it's a tool that connects people. But our enemy took that, and they used it as a weapon of destruction. I say that to make the point that the same can be said about a, the powerful tool of the Internet and of electronic devices, of technology. You know, I have a smartphone, I have a tablet, I have a laptop computer, we have home uh, desk computers. These are all great tools. But in the hand of our enemy, they can be destructive. One person said that the age of the internet is the greatest onslaught of the enemy on Christian men and women. And you can, you can look at it. There are statistics that tell us of all the dangers that are out there. And again, it's a matter of balance. We've got to use these things right, and we've got to be smart about those. You know, it's also not just the internet, but it's just the constant use of technology in general that I think we've got to be careful about. You know, it's social media. It's YouTube videos. There are all kinds of things that can distract us, that can draw our attention away, and we simply ask ourselves, why? Why do we engage in these things? Why do we do things that we know are destructive? So with all of that in mind, I want us to think about some practical suggestions that can help us as we deal with what we see. First of all, parents never allow your children unsupervised access to the internet. You've got to understand that they're vulnerable. And again, I'm gonna speak from, from that position of, of being the older generation now. I can look back and I can see the mistakes that I've made personally. I can see mistakes that I made in raising my children and, and ways that I didn't protect them as I should. So be careful about that. Set parameters. Be the parent. Know what your children are doing, where they're going, and who they're talking to. Let me give you a practical application of this. Just a couple of nights ago, Rhonda received a random text. She didn't know this person, and she conveyed that in her text, in her response. The person on the other end just kind of played it off as a mistake, and, but then went on to ask Rhonda some personal questions and really trying to befriend her, ask some, some benign questions about things that she liked, things that she enjoyed. But then she 
the, the person on the other end then said, well, I'm in town visiting a cousin. Maybe we could get together. Do you see how this, uh, and Rhonda and I talked about that, how scary that really is, because what if that was a teenage kid? Maybe, maybe it was a young child that was having some difficulty and felt like they didn't have a friend, and someone reached out to them in that way, and they were led to do something that was extremely dangerous to them. This is just one way, a personal way, that we can see that it is so important that parents be involved in their children's lives and know what's going on. Be the parent. Set those parameters. You know, too often, we as parents want to be our children's friend. But you're not their friend. You're the parent. And I can tell you this, if you will be the parent when they need a parent... They will be your friend when they grow up. Parents, until your children are old enough and mature enough to make these choices, you are the one that has to guard their heart. You are the guardian of the heart of your children. Second practical application is always filter your content. And that goes for all of us. We must filter our content. There are apps out there that help us with that. There are settings on phones, many tools that we can use to help us to set those parameters. And then the third way is that we establish accountability. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. We need to be together. We need the association, the encouragement, and the help that we can offer one another. This also goes uh, along with, with the idea of parents parenting their children. We need the support of each other. And then the fourth practical application is, if you're in trouble, if you're having difficulty in this way, seek help. There's always a brother or sister that's willing to walk beside you and to be an encouragement. Psalms 101 verses 2 and 3 says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. That word perfect means integrity. I'm reminded of something I saw years ago on a billboard. It said integrity is what you are, is who you are, when no one's watching. So back to our reading, I will behave wisely in a perfect way, Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. We need to be extremely careful. And as the writer of Psalms here, set no wicked thing before our eyes. The third practical application of what Solomon had to say was that wisdom demands that we watch our feet. He's simply saying, watch where you go. Back to our text in Proverbs 4, verses 26 and 27, it says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. We've got to understand as Christians, there are certain places that a follower of Jesus simply should not go. 
How often do we put ourselves in situations and then we try with willpower to avoid the temptation? Always, always the best way is to, to avoid the temptation is to avoid the situation to begin with. Romans 13 verses 11 through 14 says, And do this knowing the time that now is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to what he says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Make no provision for the flesh. I had the privilege of hearing J.R. Smith speak last Sunday. He uh, read a text from Hebrews 12, and he, he had a lesson about running the race. And he talked about setting aside those things that would, would cause us to, to fall from the race. But he, talked, he used this scripture, and he, he talked about it in this way. He said, we have got to quit visiting the junkyard. Again, there's just simply places that Christians shouldn't be. I was listening to a song this last week by Zach Williams, and the song was called Home, and a line in it struck with me. It said, I keep searching for something that I'll never find in places that I should be leaving behind. How true that is. How true it is that we as Christians must guard our feet. We need to watch where we go. If we are to guard our heart, we have to listen. We have to be careful what we listen to, what we look at, and where we go. We've got to build boundaries and safeguards into our life. Let's go back in the same chapter of Proverbs 4 and look at what Solomon said in verse 14 and 15. He said, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Listen, how can, we, how can we speak in any stronger language? He said, avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn away. Go somewhere else. In summary, Solomon says to guard your heart. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you see. And be careful where you go. So how do we do that? As we wrap up here this morning what is it that you and I can do in a practical way that helps us to guard our heart it comes down to our daily walk it comes down to intimacy with God it's that we have to recalibrate our heart through uh, throughout the day we need to ask ourselves should I be listening to this should I watch this should I go there remember out of our heart comes everything that we do Secondly, we accomplish this by accountability with others. Brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage us and help us. We need each other. You know, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. Never in isolation. We need Christian community, encouragement, and association. When we listen to the fatherly advice of Solomon, we understand that wisdom demands that I carefully guard what I allow in my life.
the lesson is yours this morning. If you're here today and subject to the gospel call, if you've been taught and would like to respond to that, we would invite you to do that in this, during this invitation song. If you're here this morning and you have a need in your life that we as brothers and sisters can help you with, if we can pray with you and pray for you, we would invite you to come as well as we stand and sing the song of invitation.